All right, this is Jay. I'm back again for another one. And tonight I have with me. It's Drew. How you doing today, man? What's going on, man? <laughs> uh, I'm excited because we're about to discuss one of the best episodes of a television show I have ever seen. Two of the best episodes I've ever seen, period, of any television show. It's funny how we got into this conversation in the first place. And it kind of started off with another conversation we had and Tyler Perry came up and that conversation with Tyler Perry tied in with an episode of Atlanta, which is a show that I'm a little behind on due to a whole bunch of content that I've been watching. And sometimes you just start getting off track of stuff and stuff goes in between seasons. You got stuff going and you just have a plate full and you don't know where to start. But when we had that conversation, you brought up Tyler Perry. The episode was kind of tied to that. You just you know, got my appetite back for Atlanta to the point where I even want to start from the very beginning and just go through it again, the journey. And then since it's coming to an end soon, I'll be able to have that complete meal together versus just being all parceled out and, you know, watch it this year and it comes back next year, that kind of stuff. So um, yeah. I'm looking to have a different connection to it because I'm watching it with a flow versus it being kind of broken up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to us, uh, like, this is going to be our first discussion around Atlanta, but I'm looking forward to that complete, you know, synopsis of, like, the entire series. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, on a side note, still kind of related to Atlanta, uh, I am curious to have a discussion with you or hear you have the discussion about uh, top binge-worthy shows. Like, what is your, I am really want to know, like, what's your top five shows that you binge and why? And... Okay. Because here's the thing. Like, and when I think about their shows that I love to binge, this mm -hmm. me. And then there are shows that I like to binge with just my son. Mm -hmm. And then there's like Grey's Anatomy that I only binge with my wife. Right? Okay. Yeah. And so like I'm wondering like what some of your shows are and does Atlanta fall into those? I'm giving a teaser for something that's gonna happen a long time from now or whenever we get to it. But just put just wetting your appetite on that one, man, because I don't know if as much as I love Atlanta, mm -hmm. I don't think until these two episodes we're about to talk about today, yeah. I don't think that they were in my top, I want to binge this again uh, shows. I don't think Atlanta was that until these two episodes. Really? I'm putting a lot on, on, on our discussion today, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge accepted. Let's see how this goes. What you want to talk? You want to talk about season four, episode five first? Yeah, let's start you, with that. Okay, so that's the uh, I believe it's called the actual name of the episode. It's called Work Ethic. Yep, that's it. Yeah, and so this is the one which is this is an interesting episode for me because Lottie isn't. It, it just was like missing from all of season three, like okay. uh, Ern's daughter, mm -hmm. um, and it's just like I thought that just to insert her back in was good because it's like they got a whole child they had you know the mom in season you hadn't seen season three really uh so it's kind of I'm, I'm a tiptoe around it but i well let me just i gotta cut my statement off because i don't want to spoil you on season three but it was just like it was a, an exciting episode to start off on that level yeah so it was just one of those situations where they got like a small little background you know small one two line speaking part on a tyler see i'm gonna say tyler on a mr chocolate production <laughs> on a mr chocolate show and it's crazy you know it was just like you show up and it's the 
have you been to Tyler Perry Studios yet? I, you know what? No. I'm not even gonna pretend. <laughs> Mr. Chocolate and Tyler Perry is just gonna be interchangeable terms here. Yeah, be on the ride with us. I want you to go ahead and give the synopsis a little bit better because I, from the way you re- have read it and done the research on it, and the way you see it, because I'm gonna be a little bit all over the place, and I know you, you've got the professionalism to keep me straight. <laughs> All right, I have my way of doing it, but we can start from the, from the top of the show. Um, I thought it was just very interesting how it played out with Vanessa and her child and they're, you know, driving down the freeway. It's early in the morning. I'm not realizing that it's some kind of, you know, like a casting call. You see her, you know, drive on the freeway. You see a big old ad talking about, you know, chocolate, chocolate land or whatever it was called and all this kind of stuff. And it's just amazing how the show kind of feeds you as you go. You know, and so you kind of like if you pull up to a studio, don't know what kind of studio it is exactly, don't know what's really going on with it. Come to the gate guard, even that's kind of crazy with the fact that yeah. first it starts off normal, like you know, hey, yeah. can I have your ID because I got an appointment? I'm you know doing a you know casting call, blah blah blah, and he asked to see her bag, hands it over, looking like oh okay. He goes to the bag, and he's like, oh uh, the other the, the other kid, and she's like, oh my daughter's backpack <laughs> he's like yeah 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 and he she hands over the backpack and he said oh you'd be surprised who uh who, who brings guns <laughs> which it, it always it, and it's yeah like that right there i was like oh this is weird right, that right there, i was like oh we we in for some typical atlanta weirdness you know what i'm saying like when he said that part but um and then that later on in the episode we see why we yes. find out why a little bit in a little bit but uh, the funny part is, like, for me, the second funny part was when she gets into the waiting room, mm-hmm. how this dude is in there, and he just full-fledged kind of comes at her. Yes. You know, like, while she's taking care of her daughter, he still don't care. He sees her, sees she's attractive. She tries to give a fake name. Somebody calls, you know, <laughs> by her whole government, which it happens every day. It, I've seen it happen in real life. So um, I think... To get down to like the real part of the show is like, you know, they she's in this one little scene, but when she's getting her, like when she got dressed, mm-hmm. when you consider the character and how the character dresses in general. Yeah. And to see the clothes that they put her in for the episode that she's on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't remember the name of the episode of the Mr. Chocolate show, but yeah, just to see the way, just even the difference between like the way she was dressed the way they did her hair up was just totally different than yeah her whole persona which speaks to the conversation that we don't want to go too deep into a conversation i guess again about tyler perry but once again that's Stephen and and, and donald glover directly taking a jab at the tropiness that's involved with uh with tps you know with tyler perry studios and how they kind of and i thought it was very interesting how it was done even though it was kind of mocked, it was very evident where they were pulling from. It wasn't like, how can they say that about him? Or how can they, you know, make this weird TV show with these kind of characters and this stuff kind of going on? And, and you know, it was very, it was, it was more on point than it probably should have been. And if we didn't know any better, we would think this was just kind of over the top where in actuality, it kind of fit. It kind of made sense. Even from the behavior of the people who was happy to be on the studio lot, 
even how the people working there and they have 50 million different jobs and everybody's running around and not really know what's going on and it, it just rang true in some different kind of ways in a more realistic way people who write like this and do shows like this I, i'm always amazed when awkwardness and weirdness is just done honestly and you can see where it's coming from versus some fabricated problems for people to go through it's it's nice when you have somebody who has an eye to catch the reality of things because it, it's almost like you don't need to make up anything because stuff in real life is so crazy if you were just to be honest and write that down and regurgitate what you saw it'd be crazier than anything you could come up with and it would feel differently because it's coming from an honest place you know from a real situation and so I was just kind of tripping off, like you said, the guy that was cutting up on the phone and and thought like, even though he's presented his worst in public, he still thought it was fine yeah. enough for him to hit on a woman with her child and try to, you know, hit on her. But even like you said, when when she gave a fake name and they called for her, you know, two seconds later with the real, even that awkwardness, that's a cool moment. That's crazy, but it fit and it lent to almost kind of the rest of how the show was going to be going. So you remember this summer that was a big thing after season three. Um, and this was just something that was in the news. Uh, it, it had a lot to do with one of the ending episodes in season three was how black women are portrayed in Atlanta. Like the show Atlanta. Like okay. that they're written in a very dignified way or they're not written in a way that they're substantial or they have character development or depth. And you could almost say almost none of the characters really have any true development. Like they kind of just hopped us in mm -hmm. and well, let me not lie because I do believe they had plenty of backstory in season uh, one and two about Ern and Paperboy, you know, like, but there isn't a lot of development on other characters. You know, I don't know Darius's backstory, you know, right. but right. That's, I'm not saying that as a way of saying that there is an issue. And Donald Glover came out and, and had this off-the-cuff kind of remark about uh, the criticism that that he faces, kind of owning it, but it was also kind of awkward about how he, you know, how he portrays Black women in his production. Huh. And so this question came back up again with this particular episode because it's like, yet again... We've got this episode that's all about uh about van you know like this there is here's this opportunity missed mm -hmm. to give more depth but to me i felt like the, the episode showed the little girl you know it kind of showed the relationship to the you know there and it showed the mother in, in a light but few articles were written a few you know critics you know wrote about san atlantis can trend it was continuing this problematic tropey trend and called it kind of like an ironic thing that they would be making fun of Tyler Perry uh -huh. uh, when when it comes to their writing and their handling of black women. They're no different almost than him. And I'm hmm. like, wow. These are some opinion pieces, a few blogs. I know I read like there was a or, there's an article on OK Player yeah. uh, that I read about five, six months ago uh, to that effect that you could find it that speaks to what I'm referencing. Yeah, from what I've seen of Atlanta and this episode, I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in the same vein. And actually seeing like Mr. Chocolate's episodes and the themes and the characters and the behavior, as opposed to Vanessa and her situation being thrown in that, 
and to see the bump up against how she feels about it. Even the bump up against the other parents, you know? This whole episode to me was very interesting. And I think that it really found a way to condense the whole situation with Hollywood and parents and their, and their children. And how yeah. this it could be this whirlwind where you'll lose focus of your child and the sense of self and the child's sense of self just that quickly. Even though there was a day in the life of that's somebody's situation. It might take a month, might take a year, but that whirlwind of next thing you look up, where's my child or yeah. my child that was, you know, spoke up out of honesty, right? Like, yeah. you know, the guy's mean, that guy's mean. And she's talking when she's not supposed to be talking because she won't take something being wrong and messed up. Like that's a, a kid acting out of order, but for the right reason, because she was raised right to flip that good thing about her and then exploit it and then make her a cog in the machine as well. And, and the mom is constantly looking, finding, searching, and her daughter is not even resisting or looking for her mom at a certain point. To the point where it's time to pull her out of the machine, she's screaming and falling out. She ended up with a, a different kid than she started with, just from that journey, just from that little part. Oh, see, now that's that's good. You you did your read. You, See, you didn't tell me was we was coming with good with preacher notes. That that right there, that's some good stuff. Cause I absolutely that that busts the whole episode wide open for me. Yeah. Like, and and you know, like it's crazy how like what you just said makes this so such an uncomparable situation. You know, people on the surface level, people instantly compared this episode to the famous Boondocks Pauls episode. Um, <laughs> familiar with that because that was that episode where the boondocks made fun of Tyler Perry yes. also yes and so but this episode like had so much more depth um, now I do understand that Aaron Magruder in, in his episode was addressing homophobia and mm -hmm. other things within the black community which it has its place but this really does explore like especially when you think about the mother who was there who basically was making the point that like my child's not going to get on because of colorism exactly but your child but if she could be the best friend to your child little girls are taught that very very early on in so many different aspects and so i did appreciate the depth and the layers like i saw that uh mm -hmm. those points being made it was more than just amusing like oh this is just ha ha it's tyler perry and making yeah. fun of him it's funny because i wonder I think w between both of us not being Tyler Perry watchers, right? Um, how much of these things are actually being addressed through his media? Like, I don't know. I don't consume it. So I don't know if it's actually being addressed on some of the shows or not. But apparently the consensus is it's not. And right. That, to the point where when we see a sample, it's almost enough to know what's up. Um, and you shouldn't be able to necessarily read a book by seeing its cover, not totally, but some works are like that. You see the cover, you see a taste, and that's pretty much all that it is. And not trying to be unfair, like I said, he has his audience and stuff, and we kind of discussed it before last time. But um, I think it's very interesting. And what I also found to be very interesting is how people's motives on this episode, and also how people was pacified in certain ways for different reasons. Some moved out of fear, was pacified due to fear. Some was pacified due to the pull of opportunities. Some was pacified for the embitterment of their family or their child or their life in general. 
someone was pacified by, you know, the prospect of maybe having a love interest. So it was interesting how people were tied for different reasons, stuck in this madness that if they didn't have something that they needed, they wouldn't be in that whirlwind. But they, I guess, accepted that it was worth the madness. And for her just to be bucking against it, because it's just like, maybe maybe the entryway was like, maybe, maybe it, she would have had a different outcome if her daughter wasn't there. Maybe she didn't see something that she cared about so much outside of herself going through that whirlwind. Maybe that made it stand out more for her versus if her daughter wasn't there, she could have maybe, you know, hit up on that guy. Maybe, maybe something happened. Maybe she would have, you know, enjoyed herself and thought like, this isn't bad money. And then look up a year later and she's in this messed up situation because she did it for money. So it's interesting to see how it could have went, but like I said, it covered so much on so many different angles in, in such a short amount of time that, you know, like the, <laughs> I thought it was crazy when I saw the posters that, that, you know, that they were walking past in the studio, which, you know, they had that one with, it almost reminded me of that, um, Idris Elba movie with the three daughters kind of thing. Had this guy with his daughter on his back and had this woman like, you know, she's crazy. And the next poster is like, she's still crazy and all that kind of mess. And then the shows that was happening, like one show had this woman that was eating a, eating a crack sandwich, a crack sandwich, right? Well, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, because Van found, like it wasn't her daughter that was like her mom in one of the episodes or something like yes, that. Yes, because and Mr. Candy found a liking to her and just was like, you know, I got to have her in all these shows. It just, I everything's think, just moving fast. Yeah, I think like once, like, you know, it hit that point where the one older actress helps her bust into uh, Mr. Chocolate's, you know, like tower, which is a call back to like the Wizard of Oz, like don't look behind the curtain right, kind of right. thing. And, you know, what you really find behind there is not really this wizard. You know, it's really just this sad, pathetic, you know, like poser. And with Mr. Chocolate, it was sort of like it was what you thought it was. It was, you know, like once she busted in, it was a few comical moments there that, that made me laugh uh, yeah. with the, the grit thing. And, but <laughs> would you like a grit? <laughs> <laughs> It was it was a good just to see Donald Glover, you know, like in the makeup and everything that right. part was that whole thing. You know, I think that's the thing I like about the texture of Atlanta is that there are these subtle moments. And we'll talk about that uh, when I'll repeat the same line for uh, episode eight when we get to talking about it. They always at the right time remind you you can laugh. Yes. You know, because you'll be picking up on all these subtle hints of what they're really writing about, what they're really saying. Mm -hmm. um, because to be honest with you, I think you can't say something's plain to a community that's thirsty for, like, that's smart and needs clever dialogue. You can't, we're tired of watered down or you dumbing it down. Right. We need. Uh, clever satire like we need some things given to us in a way that 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 invoke like they cause us to think on a, on a deeper level but on the same token we want to laugh and that's yeah. what it, this episode did for me it was like yeah on the surfaces yeah they're making fun of Tyler Perry but I think it was just genius enough in the way they did it to where it wasn't slapstick like hey they're just flat out poking fun I think they were addressing a more serious issue 
uh, as it relates to this person who's been blessed with a lot um yeah a lot of like you know a lot of power influence yeah yeah because like i said i took it as like you know hollywood in general and big studios in general for a lot of that stuff but um certain things that that came up that's you know that's really tied in with tyler perry was such as like the introduction to the like the bad wigs and stuff like when they first showed the shot when she's getting getting ready to get her makeup all done they showed like this guy with this crazy wig getting taken off and getting sprayed and prepped and stuff like that so that was straight you know you know tyler perry-ish because he's kind of known for that and then certain looks of certain people and stuff and uh what always gets me about this show and getting to the part where you're saying about how it could be comedic and funny and how the tone changes and stuff and which i enjoy this show is so different that i never know how far it's gonna go so i never could really feel comfortable and so i always get the comedy part of his shows after the second viewing because the first viewing of it, I'm always on my guard. So I don't know how bad this is gonna go. It's dark, it's like a dark comedy, but you just don't know how far it's gonna go. And I never feel like I have a understanding of that line. So I never feel comfortable enough to really laugh. So if I'm looking at something that's crazy, it might be funny, I might be like, <laughs> like, okay, what's gonna happen next versus just busting out like this is crazy because I'm not comfortable enough to feel safe to give it a laugh because I don't know how deep this is gonna go. And yeah. so I always laugh harder on the second viewing. I think that we are now in a weird space with uh, if if Jordan Peele comes out with comedy again, mm -hmm. that's how we're going to be. The entire time we're going to be like, well, hold on. It's coming. <laughs> hold on. It's coming. Oh, right. I know this guy. It's, and, you know, but yeah, that's that's where I am. The, when I watched this episode, I thought it was comical. You, you touched on it already, but I thought it was comical. Like the guy who worked on the set was basically mirroring a Tyler Perry character or yeah. worked there mm -hmm. trying to pursue her like he's the Tyler Perry like the Shamar Moore type mm -hmm. character uh, the typical like light-skinned guy who's like coming at who's the love interest he's a he's an ex-thug from just got out of prison he's trying to pull his life together and yeah he was definitely all he needed was the bandana <laughs> I you know I, I definitely for this episode I would say um it was good it was the one that said if you don't watch this show, mm -hmm. it got something for you. You know what I'm saying? Like it was something for you there uh, because it can stimulate a pretty, uh, you know, pretty deep conversation. Uh, but overall, it was one that you don't also, if you're not a fan of Atlanta, it's one that you could watch mm -hmm. and you're not really missing much. Right, 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 right. Uh, knowing who, knowing the name, you know, Van or knowing Lottie, like knowing these two key characters. Mm hmm really doesn't make a difference for you right right because the characters haven't been built up in a way that's central to the main storyline it kind of is but not enough by episode five like so if you watch you can watch episode five standalone and the it's not sequential like it doesn't matter now i do have to give a warning though you definitely don't want to you want to if you watch five skip up to eight yeah, <laughs> you know like but yeah. do not watch the ones in between because then all of a sudden you feel you'll feel some kind of way because they do tie in a little bit i was curious i almost pushed the button to watch light-skinned i think it's called light-skinned but i did i did i didn't touch it yet though because i but i i the ones you told me that were safe to to check out you were correct before i do want to state this and we're going to talk about this 
after Atlanta's done, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, you know, like, so next week is the last episode of the series. Wow. Um, I have a theory that we'll talk more in depth in a later date that Atlanta is just, is on some Afro, you know, futurism. This is a simulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're starting to get more and more clues and tips of what it is. And, um, and I do believe that even there are some tips and some clues that were hidden in this particular in episode five. Um, but that's a conversation for another day because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too much because okay. I do believe when we have the greater discussion mm-hmm. and the show ends, my theory might not even be worth mentioning. I have a sneaky suspicion that know. it will. And even if it's not, it'll still be nice to to discuss the, the possibilities. Because who knows? Yeah. That might be something, you know, the show we have to do. <laughs> so I, I wanted to bring up another thing about before we go to the next episode. But I wanted to bring up about um, Mr. Candy. I've, okay. When he finally did, you know, she he's almost like an, even though he's in an old building she almost had to climb a ladder to get up to his his floor and it was just odd the whole thing which doesn't surprise me for this show but it was just very interesting and for him to get up there for her to get up there and to see him with his back turn he's playing what he dubbed a a piano so it's this organ and he can't play so the music sounds awful but he's playing these keys and this piano is kicking out scripts because because writing is like music you know so so that's the logic and that's how that thing works and so it just be this weird stuff like it, it it took it to it made it something different for me it's like okay you always have me and then you do some sideways stuff like it wasn't like it's a piano and it's a joke it's a piano and it's actually working as a real thing that he had a real person create and he thinks of him every time he plays it and before I can even think to even laugh at that, when he calls it like his, he says like his child, and it kind of takes care of itself as if he is also stuck, you know, in the situation of this studio of, of chocolate land where he's almost like a, a, a unwilling participant in this, in this bigger thing that he cannot control made it even more scary for me made it even more eerie is that the person who's supposed to be in charge and the mastermind of it is also a will and has no control and is going without being able to steer the ship heavy yeah did you see the end of she hulk yes i did it's (laughs) almost like that like the the whole kevin thing yes like that there's there's a bigger machine behind it yes Yes. Kind of thing. But you know, that's been widely speculated, mainly because some things are unbelievable. We had this in our discussion already that, like, how it's almost unbelievable that Tyler Perry is doing all of this. Right, right. It's <laughs> and the answer for that in Atlanta is that he has a piano. That's how he does it. And, and he directs not being there and has a little box. And you know that he is there when the little red dot comes on. And you know that's when he's going to respond. And nobody dare questions what comes out of that voice box, what he says, even when it doesn't make sense. 
because it was a point where he's watching all these because in his main office you see all these screens of all these different shows going on so he's watching from there so he directed from the box and he just stops for a minute and he's from talking to Vanessa and pushes a button and we're like hey you know tell her to say she's pregnant and the woman that's there I guess assistant director is saying but this is a kid show <laughs> He didn't care. And they did what, you know, what he suggested. But for him to supposed to be in charge and he wasn't in charge of the reins, like it's all also beyond him was what uh, was very, very, very different. Um, yeah. And then also it threw me off, too, when he was like when she was talking about, you know, this is my kid. I want my kid back. And he said, this is my kid. And then yeah. when she tried to step to him, she was like, he was like, don't you know that this is a, you know, a gun carry town or whatever? Like he could shoot you, I could shoot you and get away with it basically, you know, all that stuff. And then he gets back to being reasonable because the daughter's brought up there and it's kind of like, okay, you know, I'm taking my daughter and we're going and, you know, trying to make a deal with the daughter as if the parent isn't standing there in front of him saying, telling, telling him no. He's talking to the kid as if the kid, well, she doesn't want to do it. Mommy, I do want to do it. And she's like, we are going. That's when the parent had to be a parent and did the right thing. And he up there talking about she cannot not be 18 forever. I will have her one day. I will get her. She, I will have her. And I'm you know, just the like, deeper, more complex crazy. and also very surface level statement that I would make in regards to that, it reminds me of even beyond Hollywood, uh, the way social media has taken a, a claim, which let's just take, and I definitely do not agree with the rhetoric that, of other people who've said things that I'm about to say. I do not support what they're saying. Um, but you think about how other countries control some of the apps like TikTok. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, you just never know what our children are being groomed into. Right. Um, and at some point as parents, we do have to take a look and say, I'm going to take back control like at so many times a day, like because these apps aren't taking a day off. Right. They're steadily grooming and telling your child and giving them uh, was it, you know, like the delusion and grandeur like uh, of like you can be rich you can be a star you can be popular you can get this now without working to to craft to hone your craft you can right. be next and you need to be ready to be next and it prepares our children to stand into this fictitious line waiting on a fictitious check to show up or right. fame or whatever and you know like i said i know that more people on an extreme end have this particular conversation Mm -hmm. And it can sound like it's like crazy. I'm not trying to run for anything or sell anything to you. Right. I am literally calling it how I see it as a parent. Right. Um, and it's the same. So, you know, there's a Mr. Chocolate on your ch on your child's phone. It, there's a the Keanu is TikTok. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like there's a script being being spit out. It's why, you know, it, it's can start as something simple as, hey, throw ice on yourself and we'll say it's for a good cause. And if we can right. get you and your parents to do that, then we can get you to eat a Tide Pod. And then we can get you, you know. Obedience is obedience. Yeah. You know, you just don't, it just, the danger is where the instructions is coming from. But if they could have you, you know, hopping on one foot, tapping your head, then you could do anything. Yeah, it, there, it's, it's a training ground. And I think that's what gives 
a Mr. Chocolate the audacity to say, hey, I've given you this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the concept is, okay, you can unplug the phone. You can take them out of, you know, out of contact, but they will be 18 eventually. And we, we're a generation that has raised children or have grown up, especially people who were raised post-boomer generation, like boomers being raised by a great generation and and like and it's so so now we, we're being raised by individuals who've been scarred by I couldn't have it so then <laughs> they let their kids have it so it's like oh it's I better I'd rather expose them to it I'd rather and so now it's like parents it, it's difficult parenting in a modern age and honestly it's one of the reasons why I now I don't I don't have any grandkids or anything, but it's one of the reasons why I will always be careful if I ever do end up with any. Because yeah. I will have no clue what they're going through. Because my mother had no clue what it was like for me to raise children in the media age. Right. And this episode really did speak to that a little bit. Like how quickly your child could be grabbed, move around, mm-hmm. and you are just playing catch up. Like my daughter was on literally just the same way Lottie was like grabbed for one scene and then before you know it she's oh she's on the next one she's on the next one my daughter got an iPhone and it was kick you know like she was texting back and forth with some Mm -hmm. friends and then all of a sudden Vine and then it was Snapchat and then it was this and it was just like I don't know where she's at right (laughs) and it was that difficult and this is just and this is me as an involved like I am not a secondary now I'm not a helicopter like all in your business every five minutes just yeah. invading your privacy and giving you no self sense of worth uh, but I am an involved enough to be like yeah I can I'm a, I'm a peer in there every now and again but you yeah. know I'm peering yeah, you yeah. know and that in itself has always been hard to chase my I remember discovering one of my kids was on discord and I was huh. like oh you're on discord too <laughs> like and it was just like, ah, oh, I got to do better. And that's what I feel like this is yeah. somewhat re- off off topic, but, you know, still related to that bigger point of like, it's so quick to lose your kids in the shuffle. No, no. Like I said, when I saw this, like I can say I saw it as a as a big picture and maybe because of, you know, I'm a father that's, you know, very involved, you know. And so I just saw it as all the things that I kind of deal with in a way, like I said, and exaggerated in a way, but not too far off. There's a lot of truth in it. And the truth is the time that we're in today, you know, the internet is undefeated basically. And so you just do the best you can because there's no way we could keep up with the speeds of, of the information that's being given, the context that's being given and all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're, we're kind of fighting against an unknown assailant. And so, you know, we just move the best we can. Ugh, it's, it's a trip. It's a trip. That was an episode, but I, I appreciate you for, uh, for bringing that one to my attention like that. And like I said, it's funny how that came from that <laughs> slight conversation about Tyler Perry. We're going to stop this conversation here, but we're going to hit you back with another one soon. Thanks for listening, and please like and subscribe.
Be sure to check out past and future episodes of this show, along with my other shows entitled The Movie Bench Quarterbacking Podcast and The J and Podcast, available now on all streaming platforms. Until next time, peace. Thank you.